everybody, it's Brittany, and I'm here with Mackenzie, and you're listening to Rising Radiant Podcast. You have joined us on our Inspiring Intimacy series. Today, we are excited to be hosting S.J. Hill. He is an author, a Bible teacher, and a world-renowned traveler and speaker. SJ's life is marked by pulling people into a deep, intimate walk with their Heavenly Father and coming to know Him in a deeper and more profound way. You are in for a very amazing episode. We'd love if you could just start off with um, a little bit of your story and to just share with our listeners and how did you become passionate about intimacy with the Lord? Well, thanks for having me. I was... uh raised in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, so I've known church all my life. Um, I came out of a ultra-conservative holiness denomination, so if I'm going to be transparent, while I've appreciated my uh, heritage, I uh, grew up scared to death of God. I couldn't jump through enough hoops I went to the altar so many times, rededicating my life to Christ. I can't tell you the first time I experienced him. And as I've traveled around the world, there have been quite a few people that have been able to relate to my journey. Uh, It wasn't until I was in my early 40s that I really began to understand the heart of God for me. And um, one of the biggest things that happened to me, and I can't even remember where I came across this, but I read a statement from the Westminster Confession that uh, radically impacted my life. These 17th century theologians were contemplating the reason why man exists, and they came to this conclusion. They said the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, I know this is going to sound a little bizarre, but I found myself intrigued by that little phrase to enjoy him forever. Now, there was a part of me that thought, forget this. This is too good to be true because, you know, if you have been entrapped by performance and so you always feel like you can't pray enough, you can't fast enough, you can't uh, jump high enough, jump through enough hoops read enough scripture, to read a statement like that just is a real stretch. And uh, yet I would wake up in the mornings the following week, and that phrase was one of the first things that I thought about. There was something in my heart that really wanted to believe that this was the key to the Christian life. It was the essence of the Christian life our walk with God. And then a couple of years later, I came across um, another statement. I was reading an author, and uh, I can't even remember the title of the book, but he referred to the statement in the Westminster Confession. And he said the best way to understand where these theologians were coming from is to replace the little word and with another little word. So it should read something like this. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Because what greater way to glorify God than by living out of the reality of God's enjoyment of us and in response to that are enjoying God. Isn't that what 
the God kind of life, the Christian life is supposed to be. So, you know, that just kind of set me on a journey and um, I'm still on that journey. But I remember really kind of lovingly challenging the Holy Spirit, just saying, Holy Spirit, you know, I want to buy into this. I really do. But you're going to have to help me unpack it. Uh, because immediately what came to mind was, okay, how does enjoying God relate to the fear of the Lord? Or how does the uh, whole issue of enjoying God relate to prayer? Because, you know, I would be bored at times. I mean, I'm in the ministry and, you know, prayer so often was like, you're telling God what you thought he wanted to hear. And uh, relationship yeah, you love God and you were committed to God, but intimate relationship just didn't seem to be much of the equation. So when I put that challenge out to Holy Spirit, I, I was blown away what he began to unpack for me. And uh, I just absolutely became intrigued, fascinated. I'm a pretty passionate guy. I'm probably more emotional than most men. Um, so when I got a hold of this, yeah, I wanted to tell everybody. And uh, to this day, for anybody who will listen to me, I just really want to say God's nothing like man-made religion has made him out to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so fascinated by, by God. I, I'm intrigued with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I love going on walks uh, with Father. I just went on a walk this morning. It gives me exercise, but I just love being with him. I love you sharing your story too, because I can relate to that so much of growing up as a, in a Christian family and doing things out of duty rather than out of, man, I'm in love with Jesus. Right. And I know your book, Enjoying God, was one of the first times that I read something about like, wow, this is like a love relationship with the creator of the universe. This isn't about me going and praying and going and reading my Bible and having a dialogue with the Lord just to check things off my to-do list. But rather this is like a long life pursuit of a relationship. And I know in your, in like the first chapter of your book, you talk so much about, you know, being in love in the natural realm and building relationship with like your partner and how it's constantly a pursuit and how it's not just a pursuit in the beginning part of your relationship, but through the longevity of your relationship, that it's always a mutual pursuit that each one of you are pursuing each other. And I think that's such a beautiful concept that we don't realize is that the Lord is also in pursuit of our hearts and wants to communicate with us and wants to have communion with us even more than we want that from him. Can you talk a little bit more about just like how you have found like the Lord in pursuit of your heart and longing for more relationship with you? I came to discover uh, quite a few years ago that before any of us could ever pursue God, God was in hot pursuit of us. Um, I was getting a little emotional there a couple of minutes ago. I'm glad you kind of took over. When you go so long believing that you can never measure up and that basically God is tolerating you, you know, and, and you're scared of him and you don't feel like you can ever do enough. Uh, it's, it's very tormenting. So to now know that God is the one who initiated love with me and fashioned me um, 
in my mother's womb. And even before I was conceived that he knew me by name mm -hmm. and that as Stephen Hill, though there are many Stephen Hills, whether people know me as SJ or Steve, that there's only one man like me and that I can touch God's heart in a way no other human being has ever been able to or will ever be able to. So, you know, when I read the scriptures and I see that God was in pursuit of man from the beginning, you know, uh, we, we've had this twisted view that when the first couple sinned and all that goes with that, that God in his anger as payback, you know, threw him out of the garden, but he did that for their own benefit. But even when they screwed up, he was pursuing them. You know, Adam, where are you? Well, obviously he knew where they were, but it was father taking the initiative. And, and you see this throughout the scriptures. You see it with the uh, parables that Jesus spoke about, uh, the prodigal son. I call it the extravagant father, but the running, kissing, embracing father, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Um, they were still valuable, though they were lost, and God took the initiative. And so I, I just think that when we really grasp the fact that God has always been previous, uh, Tozer called it provenient grace. Uh, when, when we see him as the lover of our hearts and that he really wants us more than we've ever wanted him, you know, you know, theologically, we know he's complete in himself. But I think sometimes these theological definitions just kind of get a bit bland. Yeah. And there, there's a passion in God's heart for every one of us. And mm -hmm. uh, the Old Testament calls it jealousy. And I know some people get real hung up by that because they equate God's jealousy with fickle human jealousy rooted in rejection and insecurity. But God's jealousy is just an absolute pure passion. It's an undiluted passion to preserve and protect those who are precious to him. And so the more uh, my heart's been awakened to this, I, I, just, uh, I just want people so badly to go from like what you said. I call it going from duty to delight you know, from got to, to get to, you know, I got to pray or God's going to be upset to, no, I, I get to, I get to live life with God. I get to talk to him throughout the day, whether I'm on the golf course, in my car, out walking with him, you know, we, we've made this major mistake of uh, dividing our lives up into what we think is spiritual and the secular. Yeah. And I'm not talking about quote-unquote sin issues, but, you know, life is spiritual with God. It, it just is. So my golf is spiritual. My walks with God in the morning are spiritual. Your lady shopping is spiritual, though that's a stretch for me. But, uh, but um, yeah, it's just... Uh, enjoying God out of an understanding of his enjoyment of us. I love what you said of how God has been pursuing us longer than we've been pursuing him. And I think we, we do, we get so hung up on all the things of like an achievement based 
faith, right. right? Of all the things that we have to do to enter into intimacy with the Lord. But actually the Lord is such a heart God, right? And he right. cares. He's like you said, he's jealous for our hearts. And I think so much of David, and I was thinking of him as you were talking about, David was a man after God's own heart, and he just entered into the heart of God, and the Lord lavished favor on his life. And and I think that he wants us so much more than we want him. And you talk in your book about this mystique surrounding of intimacy, of how we make it so complex, right? And so I would love if you could just unpack that even more, too, of just know, all the ways that we, we want to make it more complex than when it really is just the simple of entering into the rest of his love. And from that place, we find intimacy with him. Well, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I remember years ago as a young minister, uh, reading some stuff by Madame Guyon and she's pegged as a mystic, but I've really loved some of her stuff. And I remember her talking about the issue of silence. You know, prayer for so many is boring as it is. And then you get into this issue of silence. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going into my study. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And so I remember just kind of sitting there and looking at my watch and, you know, trying to be reflective and focused on God and, you know, tried to pray a little bit. And man, I mean... I prayed about everything I could think of, including my golf swing. And I know that doesn't sound spooky spiritual, but yeah, it was, it was just a, a, a crazy moment for me. And I looked down at my watch and it was like, good night. I've, I've been doing this for 15 minutes, you know, and, and, and that whole thing was in the context of a charismatic uh, leader writing a book, um, based on the encounter that um, the disciples have with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, the author was just encouraging people to pray an hour a day. So, you know, here I am in ministry, but it was more about the amount of time (laughs) than relationship, just being transparent uh, with Father God. Uh, and, And so... Yeah, I I think so often it was like when I was in North Carolina a few years ago, I was uh, speaking to a congregation about enjoying God and an African-American woman came up after me afterwards because I had shared a story, which I'll be glad to share with with uh, your listeners on the podcast. But she came up to me afterwards and it was like I'd given her a million dollars because, you know, she would get up at six in the morning before she went to work and she would just lie in bed and she would talk to God. But she felt so condemned because she wasn't out of her bed on her knees with her hands folded. And I, and I didn't say anything then, but I'm thinking, good grief. You know, we, we've just made this thing into something that it shouldn't be. And then, you know, you read the books about the great intercessors and prayer warriors and whether it's uh, Reese Howell or Praying Hyde or others. And, you know, these guys would get up at three in the morning and spend two or three hours in prayer. And again, you know, we start comparing our prayer lives to theirs and we feel like pond scum. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, mm. so <clears throat> I've just learned over the years that uh, prayer, for example, is very simply uh, communication 
between uh, God and human beings. And yes, it can lead into intercession, but it has to be begin with simple conversation. And if you've got the time, let me just tell you this quick story. And if I get emotional, bear with me. Even though I've shared this around the world, it, uh, I never get tired of, of sharing it. There was a, there was a guy who uh, had met the Lord a few years ago who, like a lot of believers, really struggle with prayer. And as a young believer, he found himself really frustrated because he went to a church where the pastor was always talking about prayer. And so one day he just got so fed up, he waited till everybody left the, the uh, building and he courted the pastor. And he said, you know, pastor, you talk about prayer all the time, but prayer to me is boring. I'm frustrated. I don't know how to pray, what to say. So the pastor disappears and comes back a couple of minutes later out of his study and hands him this thick theological book <laughs> and says, go home and read it. And according to the story, man, I mean, he's having to look up like word after word after word in the dictionary because he's clueless about what some of these, these terms mean. And after about a few pages, he puts it down and just can't go on. And he's telling a friend of his about this who he didn't think was all that spiritual. And his friend said, why don't you do this? Why don't you go home and get out an empty chair and sit across from the empty chair and just have a conversation with your heavenly father? So hold that thought. A couple of years later, he is stricken with cancer and his daughter calls this pastor because she wants him to come and pray for her dad. Well, for whatever reason, he never did. I guess he was too busy. And uh, she found out about a traveling minister who lived close to them. And somehow she got his number, called him, and he was willing to come over and pray uh, for her dad. So get, get a picture of this. She welcomes him. They walk down the hallway to her father's bedroom. And when the traveling minister walks into the bedroom, he sees an empty chair. So he just assumes that's for him. And when the sick man sees that the minister's looking at the empty chair, he says, would you please close the door? What I'm about to tell you, I haven't even told my daughter. And then he proceeds to tell him what his friend had told him like four years previously. Well, the traveling minister was taken back by what he heard at first didn't really say much of anything, ended up praying for the man who was battling cancer and went back to his house. A couple of weeks later, this uh, sick man's daughter uh, left him to go do some grocery shopping. And when she came back home, uh, she put away the groceries and then went to see how her dad was doing. And when she walked into the room, she found that her dad had passed away. And so she proceeded to call the traveling minister who had prayed for him just to let him know that her dad had gone to be with the Lord. And during the conversation, she said to the minister, she said, you know, there's something that I don't understand. Maybe you could help me. She said, when I walked into the bedroom, <laughs> I found my dad on his knees with his arms around an empty chair. Now, listen. Listen. It's not about an empty chair. It's about relationship. It's about intimacy. 
you know, sitting across from an empty chair would bore me to death. But, you know, as I've traveled the world and shared that story, it's deeply impacted tons of people. I had uh, um, a man come to me. I, I was taking a vacation in Hawaii a few years ago, and I've got friends over on the island of Kauai. I've lived there for a couple of years. And uh, so every time I go back, they have me speak. And um, I'll remember this as long as I live. After I talked about the story of the empty chair, a young man came up to me afterwards and he said, SJ, you know, I've been in love with this woman for a number of years, but we've never tied the knot. We, we've never gotten married or gotten a certificate. We've had several children together. Uh, we're not planning on separating. We love each other. But he said, you know, I, I've really been wrestling with this whole issue of marrying her and honoring her in that way. He said, I'm going to go home and, and uh, get, on, get out an empty chair and have a talk with my heavenly father. So while I'm on the island, I mean, within the week, this guy go home, goes home, gets out an empty chair, and really feels that God speaks to him and asks him to marry this woman that he's in love with. And so while I'm on the island, they get married and tie the knot I, you know, and, and uh, when I heard about it, I was just so blown away. So that's a long response to a short question. But again, to me, this is not about how many verses in the Bible I should read or how many days I should fast or how many hours I should pray, pray watching my, my, my watch. No, this is just about living life with God. I, I tell some people, in fact, I did a men's retreat a couple of weeks ago. And I was teaching them about biblical meditation. Um, I was talking about God's delight in us and our weakness and immaturity, but then really encouraging them to meditate the scriptures. And I told them, you know, if you don't get past one verse, it's not about how many verses you read. It's about what you get out of what you read. And biblical meditation uh, paints a picture of a cow chewing its cud. And a cow has four stomachs, I believe. So it's like chewing, swallowing, regurgitating, chewing, swallowing, regurgitating, you know, going through the process. And that's the way it should be with the scriptures. But again, why do I meditate the scriptures? Because I want to know more about this one who has intrigued me. I want to fall more in love with him. I, I want to live life with the Abba, the father that Jesus introduced to the planet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but Good. if nothing I, else, I wanted to hear the story again. I absolutely <laughs> love that. That is, it's so, so good. And I think you were touching on prayer and I think that, I would love to even talk about the power of prayer in spending time with the Lord. Um, we were speaking to somebody the other day and we're saying how often, you know, prayer gets discounted in, you know, spending time with the Lord and in intimacy in the secret place. And what does prayer look like in your life when you're spending time with the Lord and, and, um, and seeking after him? Yeah, well, you know, let me just use this as an illustration. I was up in Maine a few years ago. Uh, doing some meetings, and uh, I've been a pilot. I've got my instrument rating. I've had a couple of smaller airplanes that I've owned, and uh, I only say that because I was going to be driven from 
where I was in Maine up to Bangor, and it was quite a long drive. And uh, the guy that invited me, his brother-in-law, managed an air, airport. He uh, actually uh, flies uh, private jets for a very wealthy individual. Anyway, um, he heard about me coming, and so he wanted to fly me up in a Cessna 411, which is a twin-engine airplane, you know. So because I'm a pilot, uh, I thought, man, this is going to be cool. Uh, well, we really hit it off, and this dude, you'd never never consider him religious at all, but um, yeah, he started following me around, me around to different meetings, and he was driving me uh, back to where I was staying one day, and he said, you know, SJ, you talk about God as Father. You talk about spending time with him. He said, man, <laughs> it's just hard for me, you know? So I looked at him and I said, what, what do you like doing? You know, what, what's in your DNA? What do you enjoy doing? And he said, well, I love being out in the woods. I love being up in a deer stand. I said, well, okay, go up in a deer stand and talk with father. Go out in the woods. Uh, you know, I, I, I know, you know, we, we have this picture that you've got to be on your knees. You got to be in a closet or you've got to be in a bedroom. <clears throat> And I like being outdoors. I, you know, so for me, prayer, like uh, I won't do it today because I'm hooking up with a friend after I get done with you guys. But um, usually every day I will go out to a park and uh, I'll basically just sit in my car. But it's um, right by a beautiful lake. In fact, it's the largest natural lake in Indiana. Wow. And I just love going out there and praying, just having a conversation with Father. So I, I just think, again, we're trying, we're trying to do this thing a right way. And every one of us is wired differently. And yeah. yes, I believe in intercession, but I believe that if I'm just in relationship with Father and I'm talking to him throughout the day, then the things that are on his heart, he's going to put on my heart. Amen. He's going to put people uh, into my mind, and I've learned to, to realize, okay, whether I've thought about them for months or think about them quite often, I think Father wants me to pray for them. Um, so I love that. I'm not trying to be too simplistic. Yeah, but it's it's just do what you're comfortable with. Another thing that helped me in the past, I don't need to do this anymore, but we, we have such active minds, you know, our brains were made to do one thing and that's yep. think. Okay. And I think we feel like second class Christians because we go to pray and our minds are just racing. Well, that's to be expected. So for me, uh, over the years, I have found like worship music has just really calmed my mind. Now I'm at a point I don't need don't need it. I, I don't want to. <laughs> want that to sound bad. I love worship, but it's not like I have to calm my mind down. I've learned um, over time that it's pretty easy for me to get quiet. I, I can. I can think about God in a busy airport. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you could say, well, it's because you're getting older, Steve, <laughs> SJ, but that, that, that's not the case. I, I just think over time, 
something gets instilled in you where, um, yeah, it's very easy to experience the presence of God. I'm not talking about goosebumps or yeah, on the floor like a fish, though yeah. that could happen at times. But I'm just talking about that quiet, tangible sense of the affirmations and the love of the Father. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Well, These and are just I love little that, tidbits. Yeah, and I love that you're making it so simple, SJ, because I think over my my time in developing intimacy with the Lord, I've realized this is so much simpler than we try to make it. You know, we yeah, try to make sure. it about these lists of rules, but it's like, as you're talking, I'm thinking some of my deepest moments that I've had with the Lord or when I've heard the Lord the clearest have been when I'm driving down the road in my car and just talking out loud right. to the Lord or I'm walking down the beach or I'm on a hike in the woods. Yep. And I think that, you know, we can get so overwhelmed with the idea of, oh, I have to cut out these four hours to go sit in my prayer room. And I remember, you know, growing up and reading stories of that, of like, wow, people read for four or pray for four hours and you're reading for four (laughs) hours. And then it like, it feels like a task when it's like, it's not a task. So like when you're in love with somebody, you just talk to them all the time. And so it's like a lot of my friends make fun of me too, because they're just like, you're always talking to the Lord and I'm out loud talking to the Lord. And, and I love it because it's like, Jesus is my best friend. I'm not going to wait till I'm in my closet with him to talk to him. Like I want to talk to him when I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And so I think it's too. And and I was thinking this as you were speaking of, I think that the Lord wants to take us back to a place of having a child, like understanding of the Lord and not making it so complex, but keeping it simplistic of he's my best friend. And of course he wants to talk to me. And of course I want to talk to him because I want him involved in everything that I'm doing, you know? Sure. And I, I have this question for you. Like I, my, my question for you is I think we can get so caught up in, Oh, well, what happens if I don't feel like pursuing the Lord or what happens if my mind does keep getting distracted or what happens if, you know, I'm driving down the freeway and I'm thinking of all these different things and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling a desire to pursue after the Lord. Like what, what is your charge for people or your recommendation for people that say like, I just don't feel the Lord. How am I to pursue him in times that I don't feel him? Yeah. And I I think you're not going to feel him as much as maybe some, um, would lead you to believe. I, I feel him more now than I used to just because, um, I, I, I tend to uh, view life as uh, living in the present moment with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, there, there was a little booklet uh, that was produced years ago, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And, uh, you know, some could get hung up by the word practice. But, but you know, in answer to your question, I, I just think if we could... Uh, purposely try to live in the moment with God that God's not up there and I'm down here but that Father, Son, Holy Spirit they're in me (laughs) so it's like I don't have to pray them down Uh, I don't have to work something up Uh, I'm now their dwelling place and so um, child likeness to me is is just recognizing God in me and all around me. So 
Um, for quite a while now, when I go for walks, I like to look at the cloud formations. You know, you're talking about childlikeness. That is so tied in to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not a literal, cringing, tormenting fear. From a Hebraic Jewish perspective, it's all about awe. I call it holy fascination. We could call it wonder. We could call it childlikeness. And the more you grow up, the more that's taken away from you. You know, you, you, you've got uh, society, you've got busyness, you've got um, all kinds of false identities, trying to find our identity in what we do instead of who God's made us to be. And so, yeah, especially a few years ago when I was kind of working on the manuscript for my latest book um, and, and talking about the dancing deity, his creativity, his artistry, I deliberately started looking at the cloud formations because to me, yeah, we, we can pass it off based on scientific data. I just like to see the artist at work. I, I, I love looking at the the um, the leaves, you know, when COVID hit, uh, I know this is gonna sound hokey, but I would go out on my back deck and I get up pretty early. I used to be a late nighter, I'm not anymore. I'm not traveling like, like I used to. So I go to bed a lot earlier, it's kind of scary. Cause when I was younger, I looked at older people thinking, seriously, Mother never told me it would be this way. You know what I'm saying? So I'm falling asleep in my chair and I'm going, oh, have mercy, God. But anyway, so I, I got up at like five or six. And man, with all this negativity about COVID and the fear and everything, I go outside. And, you know, the first thing that caught my attention was the singing of the birds. Now, how often do we go throughout the day and we don't even hear the chirping of a bird? We, we don't even stop to take into all the grace gifts that God's given us. But I'm thinking, okay, the birds are singing. That, that's, that's a song of hope for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So when we don't feel God, and again, I think there's been, please hear my heart here. There, there's been so much emphasis on, you know, pursuing God, chasing after God. And there's a place for that. But I think if, if we, again, realize that we are surrounded by God, God's all over the place, you know, yeah. this is not pantheism, but he's, he's in the tree. He's all around us. Um, you know, the tree's not God. That's not what I'm saying. But tree has life because of God, you know. So I, I think we need to step back and start coming back to childlikeness and living more in wonder and uh, yeah, I, I just think coming back to God throughout the day, okay, we get busy, you know, maybe in our minds, we think we need to pursue God more. So it's just a matter of bringing our thoughts back to the Lord, not, not in some legalistic way, yeah. but just thinking about him. That's why I think meditation, you know, the, the revelation that Jesus brought about his father, the kissing, embracing, running father. Um, examples of that. Um, you know, when I was with uh, these men at this uh, men's retreat, I had to meditate on Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13. 
How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sands of the sea. Well, you know, living in Hawaii, going to Hawaii for years, you know, I've, I've taken passages like that and it has nothing to do with goosebumps or anything, but I'll, I'll be down at the beach and I just will look down at the grains of sand and I'm thinking, you know, you couldn't even count the grains of sand on one beach, let alone the beaches of the world. And yet God's thoughts toward me outnumber the grains of sand. And so I let my mind go with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I do live intrigued by God. I I really do. I I went so long without this that I'm thinking, okay, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you're nothing like what religion has made you out to be. So fascinate me. I hate boredom. I'm scared to death of boredom. So even though I may not feel God, it's just the awareness that he's in me and all around me brings me back to a place of reflection. You know, you were talking about talking out loud to him and in the car. I remember years ago, I was driving to a meeting in Ohio (laughs) and, and, uh, and, uh, was just thinking about what I was going to be sharing. And I got caught up in God. I mean, I, I literally did something absolutely crazy. I was, I was praying, talking to, to father and I found myself closing my eyes, you know, periodically. I had no idea why. Okay. And I'm driving down the highway. Next thing I know, there's a flashing red light behind me. And the state trooper pulls me over. Well, he thought I was drunk. You know, I wasn't swirling all over the road, but I must have crossed the line. And what he heard coming out of my mouth, I mean, I know he'd heard a lot of stuff, but yeah, he wasn't prepared for what I I told him. I said, man, I'm a minister. I'm on a way to a meeting. I was praying. I got caught up in God and I closed my eyes and... (laughs) You should have seen the look on his face. You know, he didn't give me a ticket. He didn't even give me a warning. He just said, uh, listen, I'm fine with you praying, but would you pray with your eyes open? You know, and he let me off the hook. But, but you know, we laugh at that. But that that's, again, just life with God. Yeah. You know, quit, let's quit being spooky spiritual. And, and, uh, and, and again, the more I understand that God desires me, more than I even desire him. You know, when you want to be wanted and and then you realize, man, God not only loves you, but he likes you and he can't get enough of you and you touch his heart in a way no other human being can. I say, can you talk to people that don't understand that concept of God desires me and God loves me and is crazy about me? Because I think it is so vital that we have that understanding when we go into the secret place with the Lord or when we're entering into this place of pursuing the Lord, it, I think it does affect the way that we pursue his heart. If we, you know, if we're thinking that God's looking at us in a condescending, Mm -hmm. punishing way or, or like a, an upset father. And I think, you know, I tell people all the time in, in my women's ministry, you know, it's like, I've, I grew up with a very, very healthy father. And so I understand what it, what it feels like to be cherished by your dad and to be lavished upon and to be loved and to have a dad that's crazy about you. 
But so many people don't understand that um, just because their earthly father didn't love them in that way. Can you explain um, just like why it's important that we understand how the father views us in our pursuit of him? Yeah. And I think between our father issues, like I always knew my dad loved me, but back in the fifties, you know, I was born in 1948. So yeah, I'm going to be 72 in a couple months. And, um, but back in the fifties, you know, the pastor basically did everything. I can still picture my dad in the basement of our house running off the bulletin on a Saturday night. Then he had to teach Sunday school, two sermons on Sunday. He taught on Wednesday. He was the head of the hospital visitation program. So it was like my dad was there, but he wasn't there. We never really connected until after I was married and Pam and I had our two sons. Um, So I think it's a combination of people being raised in abusive homes or homes where the fathers were absent, even if they were there, they weren't connected emotionally with us. Um, But then I have to say it, uh, just the way God's been presented in a lot of Christian circles. um, You know, we've been presented with a picture that Jesus had to go to, to the cross to appease his father's wrath. And he was so upset that he took out all his anger and wrath on his son so that basically, you know, he could tolerate us because <laughs> he's too holy, you know. And yet Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, and man, you don't hear this enough. Paul says God was in Christ on the cross. The father was in Christ on the cross reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. Where do you hear this? The father didn't turn his back on on the son. You know, when Jesus said, my my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You got to read the whole psalm. You know, that was Jesus as a man going through agony, but the father was always there with him. This wasn't about God having to be appeased. And I'm only bringing that up because a lot of people see this. You know, the only reason why we're not toast is because Jesus is standing before the Father, kind of like, you know, hey, remember my sacrifice, you know? And it's just, it's just nuts, just totally nuts. I think, I think a lot of these misconceptions make it very difficult for us. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to be critical, but even some of our singing reflects this, you know, we're, we're praying to go into the Holy of Holies. Hello, we're already there. (laughs) That's why I wrote the book, Enjoying God, because I deal with a lot of these father issues because I've heard horror stories. And then if you go to church and the way the message is presented, they use shame or a false fear to try and get you to pray or be more committed. You know, I'll say this as a 72 year old that's been raised in church all my life. You can get anybody to an altar if you can create the right kind of an atmosphere. But my concern is where are they going to be 10 years from now? Are they going to be more in love with this beautiful God or are they just, you know, kind of serving God at arm's length because they're scared to death? You know, so I don't know. 
Does that help at all? No, that's so good. And I think, I think so much of your book, it's like you carry that so much in the heart of what you do is just like breaking the religious shackles off things. And that's what I think based on our own experiences of how we grow up, you know, we can, we can have these innate ideas of, oh, God is a punitive God or, you know, God is like my earthly father. And if you don't come from a healthy family or have a healthy perspective of a loving father, it can hinder so much of your own quiet time and intimacy with the Lord. And I think it's so everything you talked about of, you know, God enjoys us and he wants to spend time with us. I think it's so, so important to hear and people don't talk about it enough. And, you know, I didn't learn that in my own faith until, you know, after ministry school, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, correlating, you know, fatherhood with all the other visions I had seen of it my whole life. And so I think it's, I, I absolutely loved what you said and God, you know, yearns for our hearts and, and he wants us more than we can ever imagine. And he's jealous for us. And I thought, I love how you used that analogy. Yeah. These father issues are real. You know, I, I've had students confide in me when my classes were an elective initially uh, in one school in particular in Florida, there were students out of a student body of 1200. I had 400, over 400 attend my class, and many of them had never even heard me teach, but it was all uh, about the title, Cultivating Intimacy with God. But when word got out that my class was going to be introducing God as father, I had students after the the, uh, semester was over come to me and say, SJ, we avoided your class like the plague because we know Jesus loves us because he died for us. We like what we see of Holy Spirit's activity, but eh, we just can't, we just can't go down that road of, of God as father. And then you start hearing their horror stories and you totally get it. And then what we've done, and, and I'll be real quick with this. And I talk about this in my new book, what's God really like, but um, there's been a lot of teaching out of the old Testament. That's just not rooted in uh sound biblical exegesis, um, like uh, we look at the word anger and and we equate it with human anger um, or the word wrath that dials up all kinds of stuff, you know, but really God is angry in a pure jealous way over what he sees happen to people when they uh, give into sin. You know, it's not like, oh, you offended my holiness. I'm going to turn my back on you. No, he wants the best for us. And so he's going to do everything to preserve and protect our lives. You know, you know what wrath really is from Romans chapter one? It's God allowing men to experience the consequences of their own choices. Why? Because he's not a control freak. The way he's designed this thing, if we, we don't have to quibble over whether man has free will or not. We, we have the ability to make choices, <laughs> and bad choices have bad consequences. So yeah. when Paul says, yeah, God gives them over to their lusts, basically it's just saying God has to allow us to go through the consequences, but he's still working behind the scenes in his pure passion and, mm. and even when we screw up, God in his passion and jealous love for us is working 
even behind the scenes. Yes, there are consequences to our wrong choices, but I still believe God recycles our trash. I still believe his heart is for redemption ultimately. Amen. And so when I, when I hear preachers, man, just putting God in a bad light and, and mis, misrepresenting words like judgment, again, judgment is the consequences of wrong choices. Uh, but understanding that God doesn't need to be appeased. I mean, come on, seriously? He's got an ego that has to be scratched? No way. God just wants the best for us. You I know, he that. really does. He's not cramping our style. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Wow. Amen. I love that. And in in closing this, SJ, I want to read the back of your Enjoying God book because I want all of our listeners to go buy this book. This, and I told you before we started this podcast, but your book, Enjoying God, says experiencing the love of your heavenly father. It completely flipped 180 the way that I saw the Lord and the way that I pursued the Lord and the way that I began to understand like, man, God's heart is for me. He loves me. He desires relationship with me. And so I just want to read the back of this because I just think it's so impactful. But the back of your book, it says it's simple, but it's radical. Some may even call it revolutionary, yet it is the heartbeat of Christianity. Our hearts are designed to find their ultimate fulfillment in the love and the affection of the heavenly of our heavenly father. And in closing, I would really love, love, love for you to pray over our listeners that we would find new and deeper levels of of what it looks like to find and encounter the heart of the Lord for us and towards us, and that we would be able to uncover deeper layers of God that we've not yet experienced. Oh, absolutely. He loves this. (laughs) He loves to be desired and loved. Father, I just thank you for our time together today. I just pray for the listening audience. I just ask you to awaken love in every one of our listeners. You are the great initiator of love. Before we ever desired you, we were in your heart and in your thoughts, according to the scriptures. So Father, do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Fascinate us. You know how much I hate to be bored. So I even pray for myself and my two friends here, as well as the listening audience, that you would more and more fascinate us. Open us up to the beauty of who you really are. Release a grace, O oh God, as we release the cry of our hearts. We know you're not out there somewhere. You're closer than our breaths. And you desire us more than we can even fathom. And so let this be the beginning of deeper encounters, living life with you every day with a simple understanding that you're always with us. Never turn your back on us. You're there for us in our weakness, in our immaturity that you still delight in us, even in our immaturity. David understood this. Peter understood this. Paul and so many down through the centuries have understood this. Make this a reality 
for all of us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you had to charge our listeners with just one thing that, you know, if they're looking to grow in their time with the Lord or grow in intimacy or grow in passion and um, just their paradigm of who the Lord is, what is one thing that you would leave them with today that wow. has fired and ignited your <laughs> experience and walk with the Lord? <laughs> uh, a real quick story, okay? Um uh, I was in Australia doing meetings and uh, I got up early because of jet lag and went out and decided to jog a little bit. And so I'm in a suburb of Brisbane, Australia, and uh, I stopped to catch my breath. I was just getting back into running and it wasn't an audible voice, but in that nice, quiet voice, it was early morning. He calls me Steve. Okay, a lot of people know me as SJ, and that's another story. But very quietly, he, he just said to me, Steve, you're my boy. You're my boy. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I broke down and wept. And then I caught myself and I thought, man, here I am, an American in the middle of a street in a suburb of Brisbane, Australia. I better get moving. But you know, he spoke that to me and that lingered with me for days. And it was like just a reminder. He doesn't love me for my stuff. How many meetings I do, how many books I've written, how many hours I pray. He just loves me for me. And this was before um, any conference meetings, any church meetings. He just said, Steve, you're my boy. And I, and I want every one of your listening audience to just wake up every day with that thought, I'm father's boy. I'm father's girl. <laughs> I'm one of a kind. I'm unique. And he just loves being with me, even in the mundane. He just loves being with me. So yeah, I'll leave you with that. I, I, just, I just think you start living in that reality, man. I love that. It you'll, grow, you'll grow by leaps and bounds. Yep. It changes everything. SJ, yeah, tell our listeners, how can we stay in touch with what you're doing? How can we get your books? How can we follow your ministry? How can we bless you? Listen, um, yeah, I'm almost 72. I, you know, I, I know enough about computers to be dangerous. Uh, so I, and I've done a lot of writing, so I really don't blog right now. I'm sorry. Uh, I, yeah. Um, don't really have an office. I'm just kind of up here to hang with my family in Northern Indiana. Um, so it's a different season for me, but I would say, even though we've got a website, sjhillonline.com, um, probably the easiest way to get my books is just go to Amazon because like enjoying God as a Kindle version, my new book, what's God really like, um, is on audible. Uh, so People who don't like reading uh, can listen, uh, and and, and uh, yeah, Amazon will get the books out really quickly. My other book that I would really recommend is uh, uh, it was Burning Desire, Re relevant magazine, um, relevant books published it, but uh, they no longer do books. So I changed the title and tweaked it, and it's called A Love for the Ages. And it's, it's all about a journey through the scriptures from a bridal way of thinking. Human history began with a wedding. Revelation 19 speaks of another wedding. 
And I know we guys aren't into this much, but I'll tell you what, there's stuff in that book that if you add that insight with the love of Father God, yeah, it'll open your heart and mind to the love of God in some very unique ways. So that is powerful. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I'm on Facebook. It's Stephen S period J period Hill. And cause some know me as Stephen and some know me as SJ. And I try and post, uh, yeah, every Saturday, just some real encouragement about the love of God, the grace of God. I love that. So you can follow I'm me there. follow you right now, SJ. Yeah. And, and you can, um, yeah, write me a private message, my email address, uh, and please don't abuse it, but I'm, I'm here for people. I'm a very relational guy is, uh, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen Hill six at gmail.com. It's in my books. We hope you guys loved today's episode. SJ is absolutely incredible. Be sure to check out his book, Enjoying God, to hear more about intimacy from the Lord. And stay tuned for our next episode in our Inspiring Intimacy series. And hit the subscribe button below so you don't miss an episode of Rising Radiant. We'll catch you next time.